Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Uh, we are uh, in, a, in, a, in a short series uh, that just kind of drills down to kind of a granular level uh, and, and looking at individuals and when and how they encounter Jesus. What happens to people when they meet Jesus? And um, we're looking today at uh, a woman who is kind of clouded in obscurity in some ways from the biblical text. Uh, church history has, has kind of embroidered uh, onto her reputation uh, and uh, more tradition than actually even history has given us a, f- a feel and flavor for who she is uh, because of the fact that Mary is the most popular girl's name uh, in the ancient Near East. Uh, we have multiple Marys and so when we hear the name, it gets smushed together with all of the other Marys, and we're, okay, which Mary is this? Um, And the one that we want to talk about uh, today is Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, uh, which is what Magdalene means. It's a little fishing village on the west side of the Lake of Galilee, and somewhere early in Jesus' ministry in the north part of the country, uh, he ended up in this little village, Uh, And uh, this uh, woman came to him, and the text of Scripture tells us uh, that in in a completely unspectacular fashion, this is is not what... There are times when you you wonder, why did the Holy Spirit not think to tell us this? Because we're curious, we want to know. There's clearly a whole boatload of things that Jesus said and did that are lost to history. The Holy Spirit didn't consider them necessarily important for us to to know about them. Uh, And this is one of those moments that it would have been nice to have, you know, just even an episode of something, 2020 something, Dateline something that would have helped us to know what was going on here because the text tells us that she was delivered from her, she was delivered from seven demons. And that number is not a, a magical number, but it is a significant number, and it might not reflect seven specific spirits doing her harm or damage, but, but this idea of seven being this idea of completion, she had, um, in some ways, some of the interpreters suggest that, that uh, for whatever reason, had, had, had completely lost herself. To, uh, to demonic uh, invasion and presence. We don't understand what that means uh, uh, very much, except to say that Jesus set her free. And it, it would be lovely to have a before and after. We don't. All we get is this just this tantalizing moment. Uh, and then she starts to show up in virtually every list of women who are counted among the disciples of Jesus. Uh, And in fact, very early on, her name starts to lead that list. So in Luke chapter 8, for example, uh, when he is outlining 
the um, folks who are traveling with Jesus and includes among them a list of half a dozen women or so. Mary Magdalene is Mary of Magdala. Uh, that Mary, not the other Marys. There's a bunch of them too, but that one specific. She's among the, the, the lead uh, disciples of Jesus. She, in fact, functions as we work through the text as a counterpart, female counterpart to Peter. So if you think of Peter as kind of the leader of the 12, so to speak, his name often appearing first in the lists, Mary Magdalene's name likewise appears as an echo. Uh, at, 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 and so there's this tension. I, I, can, I, can, I can, it's one of those things that you just wish you could be a fly on the wall in some of the conversations as they were walking through, right? Because it's always the men that are talking about which of them is going to be the greatest. You notice that? Uh, and I think partly because the women knew that, in fact, they were. I, I think maybe that's what, what it was about. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's fascinating as we, as we wend our way uh, through the story of Jesus. Mary Magdalene is, encountered, is included among the wealthy women who financially support the ministry of Jesus. Remember, the, more than half of the disciples are, are fishermen who are subsistence living. So we have this group of women, uh, some of whom are married and um, some of whom are fairly well-connected up into the, the, uh, the monarchy, Herod's uh, family and, and whatnot. And Mary Magdalene, so she's among those Women who, who financially support out of their family wealth and out of their personal wealth the ministry of Jesus. It's just, it's fascinating. These little, ah, man, I, don't you just want to, like, know more? Where's the investigative reporters that we need to fill this in? But we don't, we don't get that. But as the story of Jesus unfolds, she is a, almost a, a constant, persistent presence who seems often to be among the only ones who kind of get him. And it is for this reason that uh, a lot of uh, uh, the, the Gnostic Gospels, for example, the, the, uh, uh, manufactured this kind of romantic connection between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, which the text of Scripture does not support in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but we're trying to figure out how, how this, this, this love that she developed for him as a result of his deliverance of her, her remains so pure and so faithful even when faith didn't work. Her love persisted through the death of Jesus, through the brokenness of that she had been seen by him at her absolute worst completely demonized and so she was willing to stick with him through his absolute worst hanging naked bruised bleeding out on the cross as we stand at the foot of the cross most of the men have left and they're standing in the splash though of the horrible moment, the worst day in history, and the best day in history. But n n not, not yet. Love keeps her 
in the splash zone of redemption. Until we get to this story here in John chapter 20, where it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, the one whom Jesus loved. I love that. And they said, they've taken, she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. The other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first, bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had wrapped, been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed, but they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, but Mary stood outside this tomb crying. As she wept, she, went, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, one at the foot, and asked, they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but didn't realize it was Jesus. So he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, now don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father, and go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that he had said to her. It's just this remarkable story. Remember, John is written at the back end of the first century, pushing back against what is beginning to bubble up uh, with the rumors of Gnosticism, the rumors that, that the material body of Jesus never, in fact, was resurrected. This is why the Thomas story is so important Thomas with capacity to put his fingers in the wounds of Jesus, why this story with the detail of it is so important uh, that, that when, when uh, this moment occurs, and it's, it's really, it's fascinating. I mean, at some level, we could just kind of sink into these kind of, these details, which are just remarkable in, in what they say. Nobody, uh, and this is part of the reason why the Gospel of John is written, nobody could make this stuff up. If you're going to generate a false religion based on the premise of a stolen body, this is not how you would tell the story. 
right? Because you, you, have, you have kind of a keystone cops approach to the disciples, right? Where they're just bumbling along, not aware of what's happening at all, confused, chaotic. These guys could not add two and two together and get four in the same twice in a row. I mean, it's just, we wouldn't trust them with a story like this, let alone cracking under the pressure only hours before of the, of the grilling interrogation of a 16-year-old girl. Right? It's not just Peter who betrayed Jesus. They at all abandoned him at some level or another and left him. So that's part of what's going on, and I'd love to be able to play around with that. But the, the, the kind of the, 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 the camera track, if you will, is on Mary. She's the first one at the tomb in the morning. She is the first one at the tomb in the morning. Other women, Luke tells us, are with her, thus explaining the we. But she is there. She is the last woman, last person to leave the tomb on Friday night and the first one to the tomb on Sunday morning. That tells us something about the nature of her heart connection to Jesus. Faith had died, but love kept her close. And if there is no other word you hear from me this morning, that's the word I want you to hear. There will be seasons in your life, seasons in your journey with Jesus where faith will not get you where you need to be. Love is the only thing that will get you there. Hope will have died a long time ago. Faith will be crushed by the reality of a Friday afternoon. Keep hanging in there with love. Faith is instrumental. Faith moves us towards. Faith is not the telos. It's not the end game. Faith pushes beyond itself to love that keeps showing up, even in the place of deepest horror. That's, if in a nutshell, the story of Mary Magdalene. But here we begin. She's there in the tomb. She, 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 she is, is, is aware of the, the tombs being, being uh, violated from her standpoint. She runs back and tells the disciples who um, uh, join her in this, this, this lovely little depiction of Peter and John racing each other to the tomb, wondering what in the world's going on. John Younger gets there first, but he's not... Uh, Peter kind of isn't aware of the protocols and just pushes on through uh, into the tomb and, and, and sees the grave clothes lying there. I just, the image is just so startling, right? Because the body would have been wrapped in, in somewhere approaching, depending on whether the spices were all included there, but between you know, 50 and 75 pounds of, of linen and spices and whatnot. Remember, this is a bar borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea had, had donated this place. You put the body in there and wait a year, and then you put them in the ossuary, the bone box, and, and have the second funeral. So, so, so the, the, the body is wrapped and the head is wrapped in a separate napkin. And so when they walk in, uh, to the tomb, that's what they see. The, 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 it's, as if, it's as if the air has gone out of a balloon. And you have two wrappings, the linen wrapping his body, lying there in the, in the rolled up cloth where his head would have been there. 
and they they have they can they can't they how do and it's and it's not like they've unwrapped the linen and have a pile of linen. It's like there was something and not it's gone. It's it's how where right? And John starts to wait, wait, wait. He said something about this. What was it? What was it? What was it? And Peter is like, ah, and the two of them, the two of them leave the scene and go back to where they were. They, mi they miss out. They, all they get are the empty tomb and the empty grave, grave clothes. That's all they get. If Jesus is going to have to show up for dinner later that night and smack them. <laughs> no, really, it's me. Right? But Mary stays. She has nowhere better to be. She has nothing better to do. Love has attached her to this place because this is the last place she has seen him. And th th remember, this is, this is critical because, well, maybe because the spurious histories evolving, maybe they went to the wrong. No, Mary is not stupid. She went to the right tomb. This is the empty tomb. This is the tomb. That, where do we go? And Mary has nowhere better to go. She stays. And finally, for the first time in the narrative, she has courage. Hope against hope to peek in. And there are two angels sitting there. The other two guys just saw the empty clothes. Mary, vision sharpened by love, sees two angels. Woman, why are you crying? Angels, it, 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 you, it, when they're asking questions, it's not for them to attain information. It's look in the mirror. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? And of course, Mary doesn't know why she shouldn't be crying. Maybe uh, there's a disturbance in behind her, and she turns. <laughs> she turns from an angelic visitation and sees a guy coming up out of the mist thinking he was the garden. Now, now, this is not, this is, remember, Jesus in most of his post-resurrection appearances is not recognized by his best friends. They've been with him camping trip for three and a half years. You, you, right? Now, is it because he, they, their eyes are barred from seeing him? They can't see who was actually there or is that his appearance? We don't know. It just is that they don't recognize him. That word gets used often. And it's quite possible that because they could not imagine such a thing, that disabled them seeing what they were actually seeing. Have you ever had a situation like that? It, it's like, this can't be what I'm actually seeing. That, maybe it's that. Or maybe there is a, 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 a moment of, of hiddenness here. Don't know. 
But whatever it is, she thinks he's the gardener. Uh, and this, this tension that has begun to build, right? She, she has nowhere to go. She has nothing better to do. She stays at the tomb. She is heartbroken. She is confused. She knows what to do with death. She knows what to do with, with the body of a beloved one. She knows what her heart leads her into. In some small measure, I think Mary may have been well preparing for this moment from the time that she began to take Jesus seriously and he told her that these kinds of things were going to happen. But now, here she comes ready to minister to the broken body and there's no broken body. What do we do? And, and, but rather than run off in all directions, she just stays there in the tension, in the confusion, in the not knowing, in the not understanding. And in that moment, because she doesn't run around, because she doesn't run away, because she doesn't leave the scene of wonder, she has this life-changing revelation. Love creates a trajectory. Love creates a momentum. Faith is standing in a certain kind of reality, but love springboards off of that reality into a brand new way of seeing. People, situations, circumstances, Love will enable you to see things. Faith has prepared you to see it. But love is the lens that is sharpened to be able to see. This trajectory of obedience, keeping doing the right thing because it's the right thing, whether it works or not. We're not concerned about the outcome of obedience. Obedience is enough in the moment especially obedience, as Jesus taught us, that is rooted in love. Don't, 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 I, I don't call you servants anymore. He only said this 24 hours ago, 36 hours ago. I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Do what I tell you to do. Why? Because you love me. Mary gets it. And so love has her still. She turns around, sees him standing there, thinking he's the garden. He asks her the same question. Woman, why are you crying? What are you, who is it? You get a sense of their relationship here? There's a, there's a, I, I, maybe this is just me, but I love just a little snapshot. You see the, gleam in his eye? You see the smile playing on his face? You see the delight that is beginning to bubble up in his, in his face? Who, who is it that you're looking for? <laughs> right? And she's still... Uh, 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 They've, they've taken somebody, somebody. They've, if you've carried him away, tell me. And I will get him. 
And then to me, the gospel in a word. Mary. How many times over the past three and a half years has she heard her name on his lips in a way that nobody else has ever said it? Can you imagine what it must have been? I can't, I can't. To have been so demonized as to not know who you actually were and to hear for the very first time your name on his lips. Having delivered you from whatever it was that grabbed a hold of your soul and crushed the Mary out of it. And having been delivered from that and hearing him say for the very first time your name giving you validity, giving you identity, giving you worth, giving you significance, giving you honor, celebrating the very fact of your existence. Nobody says your name like Jesus says your name. And she heard the angelic choirs spring into song with one four-letter And you can just see the scene. She catapults herself to grab a hold of him. And you can see this scene. Don't, 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 hang on. I'm on my way somewhere. And what, what do you mean you're on your way somewhere? We, we seem to have caught time captured right here in between and we you know there's all kinds of theological ways of getting a handle on this is he is he still in process what 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 because only a, a few hours later he's going to be giving thomas permission to stick his finger through whole way what we don't know it's mystery it's mystery but i love this part don't hold on to me. I've not ascended to, to the Father. Instead, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. This is a moment in which we are, we are gathered up and brought into this relationship. And she is the first witness of this. She is the first herald of this. Again, as we've mentioned before, women, this particular woman is the first evangelist of the resurrection. And it was not faith that enabled her to do that. It was love. So she went and told the disciples the news. I've seen the Lord. She told him, told them that he had said these things to her. John in his continuation of the narrative, indicates that they didn't quite know what to make of what she told them. But can I suggest to you that it didn't matter to Mary whether they believed her or not? Because, quote, I have seen the Lord. That's what love enables. So here we have a single woman in a culture that doesn't prize single women, completely lifted above her circumstances by her love for one who loves her. I'm thinking 
There's a word in that for us today. That great love for Jesus is all the credential you need. Having seen him, to testify of him. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.